I am Bishop Hicks here, and I just want to begin with a word of welcome and also a quick thank you for all of you who are joining me today on this topic. And a, a thank you to Father Burke and everyone on the Be Formed team. I'll tell you as a bishop, one of the things that I hear from people so often is they say, you know what, I want to go deeper into my faith, but we don't know how to do it. And uh, what I love about Be Formed is it simply gives a way, a path, to go deeper into our faith and into our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm delighted to be here with all of you. The topic that I've been asked to uh, share with you today is the Eucharist and the Sacraments of Healing. So uh, let's just quickly talk about the Eucharist, and then I'm going to go right into how it's connected to the sacraments of healing. The, the Eucharist, let's remember, it's our source, it's our summit, it's our centrality, it's who and what we are as Catholics and as Christians. The Eucharist is instituted by Christ, and it is truly His real body, blood, soul, and divinity. The Eucharist is everything, and we can talk about the Eucharist from now until forever, and not completely, completely grasp the extraordinary miracle that we receive in the Eucharist. So, the Eucharist, how is it connected to the sacraments of healing? Specifically, when we're talking about sacraments of healing, we're looking at the sacraments of reconciliation and the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. So, let's begin with reconciliation. The sacrament of penance, the sacrament of reconciliation, has a love for the Eucharist that leads to a growing appreciation to the sacrament of reconciliation. The two of them are connected with each other. We're surrounded in a culture that tends to eliminate really the sense of sin. And um, so sin is minimalized. You know, it's like, yeah, 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 there's kind of sin, but... You know, it's like, I'm really not that bad of a person. But here's the thing. If there is no sin, then there's really no need for God's mercy. In essence, if there is no sin, we can easily become our own God. If there's no sin, I don't need God for God's mercy. I don't need God's forgiveness. I don't need God's compassion. I don't need God's grace. I've become God myself. The relationship between the Eucharist and the Sacrament of Reconciliation reminds us that sin is never, ever just purely an individual affair. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we think, okay, I sinned, and that's broke my relationship between me and God. And that, that's true. That's true. But what the sacrament of reconciliation does is it says, if I've broken my relationship with God, if I've sinned, if I've separated somehow in this way, that it doesn't just affect me, but my sin and what I've done actually affects the whole community. Think about it. So many things that we do can affect our family life, our work life, our decisions, our actions, our attitudes, our words. It affects so much more than just me, just you. So if there's really a communion aspect of it. When we celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation, it's to bring us back into communion with the whole church. Communion with the whole church. Do you know how with Eucharist we use the word holy communion? It's a way of being connected with 
God with Christ and his people. We share in this communion with each other. And so it's not just about me and God. It's about entering into communion with the whole church. And the sacrament of reconciliation and Eucharist is connected with both of those. So I've had people ask me, if sin is a communal thing, if it affects the entire community, why not just offer general absolution then and, uh, and not have to go individually and confess your sins? Well, let me first explain what the Catholic Church teaches, and then I'll tell why. So for the Catholic Church, individual absolution is the only form intended for ordinary use. It's the only form. There was probably about 20, 25 years ago, a little bit of experimenting saying, oh, we should just take the general form and expand it to everyone. And that form, the church rightly teaches, is only used in state of an emergency. So think of this, you know, you're on a a cruise ship and there's 5,000 people on it and you're you're sinking and there's no way anyone's going to survive. And at that moment, if there's a, a priest there, it's uh, offered general absolution for the forgiveness of sins to everyone before they die. But if you have the opportunity to go to confession yourself in your normal work day, your life day, use that as the option because it is the ordinary form, the ordinary use. We're reminded that through the indulgences and the relationship between the Eucharist and the Sacrament of Reconciliation, that the sins of the individual, once again, they harm the entire community. So we're taught going to confession and receiving sacramental communion can effectively sustain the faithful. It sustains us on our journey to conversion and in rediscovering the centrality of the Eucharist in the Christian life. What do I mean by all that? That this connection between the Eucharist and reconciliation, that that is a journey of conversion. And really, the journey of conversion is the entire Catholic life, the entire Christian life. It's a daily converting our mind, hearts, and souls so that we are closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a continued conversion that we have. I said it in the beginning of this video. Conversion, another way of looking at it, is going deeper, deeper in our faith. You, you might be at this level right now with your faith, but, but never, ever think that it's just fine to stay there. I, in my life, have felt that while I, I love Jesus and I love the church and this community, and then I might go on a retreat or I read a book or in some sort of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament— all of a sudden, I'm brought deeper into the sacred mysteries. And then you realize, oh my goodness, there's always more to learn. There's always a deeper way to go. The church requires that Catholics go to confession at least once per year and receive Holy Communion at least during the Easter season. So, my friends, that's the absolute minimum that we have to do to be a Catholic. But I hope you agree with me. We're not minimalists. We're not minimalists. We want the fullness of God's love, mercy, and compassion. Think about this in the Gospels. You know, when Jesus is with his disciples and he asks them 
to go out into the water, they say, hey, we've already been fishing. We've already tried. It's useless. But they trust him and they go out. And when they go out, he asks them to go deeper, to go deeper. By themselves, they weren't able to go deeper like that. But with Christ in the boat, with Christ with us, that's the invitation connecting with him that calls us to a deeper connection to our faith. That's conversion. Specifically in the Catechism, when you talk about conversion, conversion means this. It's Christ's call to conversion and penance, and it's a work at the conversion of heart. A conversion of heart means that everything that we do is for the salvation of souls through Jesus Christ, through his life, suffering, death, and resurrection. It's the call to go deeper, to deeper with him, and ultimately have eternal life with him, which is the salvation of souls. So literally, this, um, this recording, this session right now, couldn't have come at a better time because just last week I came across something and there was a, uh, a priest in, um, in Rome who just gave a talk on the six reasons why most Catholics say they don't want to go to confession. The, the six top excuses. I'll just give you some of them when he went through. But he's, uh, he's pretty high ranking. He's from the regent of the Apostolic Penitentiary in the office of the Roman Curia. He's responsible for issues in the Catholic Church, he's the head of this, related to the sacraments of penance, reconciliation, and confession. So he gave this interesting talk. Maybe uh, you can come up with your own right now. What would you say? It's uh, the top five excuses of why a Catholic doesn't want to go to confession. Number one, I don't like going to confession because I can speak to God directly. Why do I have to go to a priest? Why do I have to go through the, this ritual, this sacrament? I could just talk to God. Well, certainly, you could talk to God. You can ask God to be forgiven any time that you want. Talk to God in prayer. I encourage you to do so. But here's what he said. He says, well, you can do that. When you do that yourself, sometimes what's lacking is certainty. Certainty. Do I know I was actually forgiven? I just directed this whole conversation myself with my own mind, my own heart and everything. I just did it all. Did anything happen? Did anything change? What the sacrament gives us is a certitude, a certainty saying, hey, I've been forgiven. This is what he says. Someone who humbly confesses their sins and obtains absolution for them from a priest is morally sure, certain that their sins are forgiven. It's worth it, worth it just to have that surety. Second uh, of the excuses. I don't go to confession because the priest could be a worse sinner than I am. Well, friends, I, I have to tell you, if you are a human being on this planet, we are all sinners. You are not going to find a single person in this entire world that is not a sinner. The only people that are not sinners are Jesus himself and his mother Mary. Besides that, all of us are sinners. And this is what the church teaches. The moral condition of the priests at the time of the sacramental absolution is completely irrelevant to the validity of the absolution. 
And then he made a very good, um, a good kind of uh, an example. He says, it's, um, it would be like saying, I'm going to give up medical treatment because of an uncertainty about the doctor's health condition. So you, you might say, well, that doctor doesn't seem like, you know, he takes the best care of himself. So it doesn't matter if he's an expert. It doesn't matter if he's been trained. It doesn't matter on that. I'm not going to go to that doctor for my, my procedure because, you know, I have some issues with him. You, you wouldn't do that. You, you want the best care. And the same thing with a priest. In that moment, going to the priest, he is a sinner. But the important thing is that the sacrament is focused on you and Jesus' love and mercy and Christ Jesus' love and mercy and compassion and receiving that absolution. Third, I don't go to confession because I always say the same thing. I always say the same thing. I am. Um, I remember when I made my first confession in school that um, I was so nervous. I remember as this little kid being so nervous and uh, the priest told me that I, I did a good job at it. Well, you know what I did as a little kid? Because he, he told me I did a good job. I think for the last, next three or four years, I just repeated the exact same thing that I had said when I, you know, started my first confession. And, uh, and you know, sometimes we, we do. We, we realize, gosh, I confessed that, but I did it again, and I did it again. I, I like what St. John Vianney says, and um, he affirms that God always forgives us, even if he knows that we will sin again. That's what St. John Vianney does. God knows that we will sin again. And yet, he continues to forgive us over and over and over again. So, if we are committing the same sin, it's not the reason not to go to confession. But on the contrary, it's the reason to resort to the sacrament even more frequently and faithfully. We, we need that sacrament. If we keep on stumbling at the same thing, we, we need those graces from the sacrament. Uh, another one. I don't go to confession because I'm basically a good person who hasn't stolen anything or killed anyone. So that's the one I hear most, frankly. You know, it's like, hey, I'm basically a good person. You know, I, I really, I don't even really know if I sin or not. And um, that, this, this particular priest from the Vatican warns us, says, be very careful with the sin of pride and self-righteousness. We, we can't save ourselves. We need a Savior. And the great saints have always claimed that they feel like the greatest sinners. So if you look at the saints, and if they think that they're the greatest sinners, use them as an example. And if we don't feel like we're sinners, we're probably not saints yet. So what this priest basically is saying to us is stop making excuses Divine mercy always is waiting for us. And he says, don't run away from God's divine mercy like naughty little children that comes up with excuses that really no one really believes. And in the end, we don't believe them either. Here's the last thought on the connection between the Eucharist and the reconciliation. God so loved the world that he sent his only son not to condemn the world, but for those who believe in his son might have life and life eternal. God loves us so much. So God wants us to have a conversion of heart. He wants us to be in communion with him and communion with each other.
Let's end the connection between the Eucharist and reconciliation with the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. This is verses 5 through 17. When the shepherd finds the lost sheep, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. In the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. God rejoices when we say, I'm a sinner, I need your mercy, I need your forgiveness. And with that, we go in and we receive Holy Communion. And this is a conversion of heart, this is a deepening of the Lord, and it's the path that leads us to the salvation of souls. And remember, through the sacrament of the Eucharist and reconciliation, It's only through Jesus Christ, through his life, suffering, death, and resurrection. Let's take a moment to look for the connection between the Eucharist and the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Christ commanded his church to heal the sick as a sign that the kingdom of God is at hand. So so when he sends them out there, he says, do this, heal the sick. And it's a way of showing that God's kingdom is actually here present with you. Matthew chapter 10 says this, As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of God is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and drive out the demons. So Jesus did not only send his disciples out to heal the sick, but he also instituted a very specific sacrament for them. And it's called the anointing of the sick. The anointing of the sick. And here's the connection between the two sacraments, the Eucharist and the anointing of the sick. The Eucharist shows how Christ's suffering and death have been transformed into love. Likewise, the anointing of the sick, and I quote, unites the sick with Christ's self-offering for the salvation of all, so that they too, with the mystery of the communion of the saints, can participate in the redemption of the world. Therefore, there's a connection not only when someone who is sick and wants healing, but there's also a connection before someone dies. So so I'm sure you know about this. In the anointing of the sick, we, we can use it in two different ways. The anointing of the sick is true healing with someone needs to be healed. If there's some sort of an illness, we, we, through this sacrament, can call upon Christ's healing in our lives. We, We want to be healed through this. So that's one way that it is offered, that the anointing of the sick is offered. But there's another way that it's offered also, and that's before someone dies. And I'm going to explain to you right now what the word viaticum means. Viaticum is oftentimes, it's referred to as food for the journey. And it's in the reference to the spiritual life of the Eucharist and the journey of everlasting life. Viaticum is is really the fullness of all of these sacraments coming together. In Viaticum, what hopefully happens is the person who is going to die is able to confess their sins, receive the anointing of the sick, and also the reception of most Holy Communion, of the Holy Communion. 
Everything that I've talked about, the Eucharist, reconciliation, and anointing of the sick, comes together in this viaticum. At the end of life, we want to be prepared for eternal life. And through these three sacraments, through the Eucharist, through confession, through reconciliation, and through uh, the anointing of the sick, we receive the forgiveness of sin and the Eucharistic food for the journey. We receive actually Christ's body for the journey. So here's uh, just a final question when we're looking at the anointing of the sick. Why not just wait until the end of our life and say, hey, I'm going to live my life any way that I want to. I'm going to do whatever I want and all that. And right at the end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get viaticum. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to be anointed with the sacrament of the sick, and I'm going to receive Holy Communion. And that is going to be my journey into eternal life. I'm going to slip through the door, and I didn't have to follow any of the rules. I didn't have to do anything that all those other people are doing. Why not just do that? Let me connect everything that I've been talking about. We want to go deeper in our faith. And when you go deeper into a relationship with Christ himself, one of the fruits is actually happiness. It is true joy. It's the path that we are going to discover not only joy in this life, but life eternal. So we want to go deeper. We are not minimalist. We do not want to stay at the surface. We want God's fullness of his love, mercy, and compassion. And we want this not just at the end of our life, but don't you want it throughout your entire life to experience that? It is the source of true happiness and holiness. And remember, we experience that joy and that holiness through both the Eucharist and the sacrament of healing. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some words and some insights about these sacraments that we all deeply love. We give thanks to Christ for them. And on the journey as you go deeper, I ask God to bless you today and always.